we are going to uh, depart again from our study through 2 Timothy. I don't have a Mother's Day sermon today, but I wanted to speak to you specifically today about our lives in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. And I want to give you hope. I want to perhaps refocus your mind and your thoughts and your spirit on all the goodness of God that abounds to us even today. And so I'm going to read a total of nine scripture passages during this sermon. Nine. That's a lot. Um, Typically, I, I use one or a very small number of scripture passages to preach a sermon. Today, there's nine, because I want you to hear all the promises of God to us. And so, it should be a good time to uh, get out some way to record, to write down these scripture passages, and I hope that you consider them at length later, and, and let them speak to you, and let, let the truth of God in these passages wash over your spirit and give you hope. And I just dropped my pen. Um, I do that. I do that every week. I, I don't know why, but I do. Okay. What I want you to know today is that this virus, COVID nineteen, the pandemic, points us to the gospel. I want you to remember the gospel. The modern day word gospel comes to us from the old English. And it means, it meant God spell, as in words about God. And others uh, thought along the same lines that it was words about God, that it meant good spell, as in good words to us, as in good news. So that's where we get the word gospel, and that's where we get the idea of the scripture, the news about Jesus Christ being good News. It comes to us from centuries ago in the ancient English language. So today, in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, how about we choose to focus on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, and the one, the only one, who offers us salvation in this life and for all eternity. Like most of you, I'm sheltering in place in my home most of the time, distancing myself from people. It's especially important for me because there are members of my household with compromised immune systems and therefore are in the high-risk category for this pandemic that has spread across the globe. Today, I want to share with you some Bible passages that will help us focus on the good news. Today, let's find encouragement in at least five ways that this pandemic points us to the gospel. The first thing I want to address is the delusion of human independence and self-sufficiency. It's only taken a single virus to shut us down. I live in Gooding, Idaho, a town of about 3,450 people. Even in this small town we love, we can go days without seeing those we know outside of a meeting family. Churches are not meeting physically in the sanctuary. Businesses have been shut down. Restaurants are closed to sit down customers. Families are separated from one another. Friends 
can't freely gather anymore. It's an amazing thing, huh? And it reminds us that we were created to be dependent, dependent on the Creator. I want to read to you the beginning and the end of Psalm 121. Psalm 121, verse 1, and then verses 7 and 8. The psalmist says this, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And then in verse 7, the Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. Listen, that doesn't mean no harm can ever come to us because we have a promise from God in the Word. We live life as it really is, but God will keep us from harm and watch over your life. Whatever challenge is in your life today, whatever challenge comes into your life tomorrow, whatever enemy, whatever sickness or illness, it will not separate you from God. He will continue to watch over your life. Verse 8, the Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. There's an eternal promise of God's watch care over you in Holy Scripture, Psalm 121. There is no such thing as human independence or human self-sufficiency. Boy, we'd like to think so, wouldn't we? And we can find people in our world today who will tell us exactly that because that seems to be what we long for so often. There is no such thing as human independence or human self-sufficiency. In fact, it reminds me that the progress, the move of grace in our hearts and lives is not from dependence to independence. The move of grace in our life is from independence to greater dependence on God. The more you grow in grace, the more you understand the wisdom of God's Word, the more you understand your own heart, the more you understand the folly of this world, the more you will run in joyful, submissive dependency on God. I want to read to you from the letter to the Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. You can't earn God's favor. You can't deserve by your actions God's salvation. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by work, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Wow. Thank you, God. So stop if you are trying to, to justify yourself and say, I deserve goodness. I deserve salvation. I'll end up in a good place for eternity because I'm such a good person. It's not like that, is it? Scripture is plain to us that that will never get you there, but by God's grace, by His unmerited favor, what He's done for us in Jesus Christ, you can get there. We are God's handiwork. That word means the highest order, the highest thing in His creation. The, the, 
greatest masterpiece of all that he has created. We are God's handiwork. God created us this way. Created in Christ Jesus. For what? To do good works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. Man, good news. When we are weak, God's power shines brighter. God's power and glory shine brighter when we are weak and life seems out of control. Isn't it amazing that although things to us seem out of control, and in many ways humanly are out of control, there is one who sits on the throne of the universe. He is the definition of everything that's wise and good and true and holy and righteous and almighty. And he is in careful control of this world. We don't always comprehend what that means, but there is one who rules the world, who is not afraid at this moment, who is not weak, who is not confused, who has no mystery, and who never experiences surprises. We don't always know why he does what he does, but we know who he is, and we know what he has promised his children. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. God tells us, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And so confess your weakness. Stand weak before God. My grace is sufficient for you. God's grace is enough. It's sufficient for us. It's sufficient for you, for me. God says, for my power is made perfect in weakness. We can't earn it, so we don't have to like make a certain amount of progress or be strong enough to enter into his blessing. His power is made perfect in weakness. Come to him and let his power flow into you and through you. And I want us to realize something today. The greater global pandemic is not COVID-19. Think about that. The greater global pandemic is not COVID-19. As this pan pandemic has spread from country to country until the entire globe is affected and is, and is shutting down in an attempt to squash its power and its spread, we're reminded that there is an even greater, darker, and more dangerous pandemic. It gets everyone, every single one from birth. It is the deepest, darkest infection. It is the ultimate disease. It's called sin. It's more dangerous and more destructive than COVID-19 will ever be. But this is what's amazing. There is a cure. God looked at his world in awesome mercy and love and decided he would not let us die from this disease. He sent his son to live as we could not live, to die an acceptable death and to rise again, conquering sin and death so that there would be a cure for this ultimate disease. The cure is found in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ through his amazing grace. So today, celebrate grace, celebrate, celebrate grace, 
celebrate that something more dangerous and more deadly than this pandemic will ever be has been cured by the power and the grace of Jesus Christ. Oh, what a good thing. There is a sure promise that there will be a day when all such things will end forever. And we will be in a place where there will be no more sickness and no more suffering. Man, what a great promise. I want to read three different passages to you to drive this home. From the letter to the Romans, chapter 6, verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay, if all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, have I? Yes, I have. So let's be honest. Have you? Yes, you have. You can't hide from that. You can't negate that. You can't deny that. You can, but it doesn't change the fact. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If we'll just be honest with ourselves a minute, we'll realize that, yes, that applies to me too. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Redemption means to buy back out of bondage. We were separated from God. We were captured by our sin in bondage to it. And we are justified, forgiven, the, the record stricken clean, the power of the sin over us defeated. We are justified freely by His grace through through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Jesus shed his blood, gave his life on the cross, and through that act became the sacrifice that justifies us again before God. So, what do we do about that? John, the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, some very familiar verses to many of us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And so the great question that I ask from time to time, what do you think God thinks when he thinks of you? He loves you. He's for you. He loves you enough to send his son to be that sacrifice that takes away your sin. Praise the Lord. He loves you. He loves you. He didn't come to condemn, he came to save. And you can enter into that and be a part of his great salvation. And when God ends time and space, as we know it now, and ushers in his eternal kingdom, I want you to hear in his word what awaits every person who has accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord and live their life on earth by faith in him. From the book of the Revelation, Chapter 21, verses 1 through 8. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, 
for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, no. For I finished verse 8, I really wish I could stop at the end of verse 7. Excuse me. I really wish I could stop there and just dwell on all the blessings of those who believe. But you and I have a choice to make. Do we believe in Jesus Christ as Savior? Do we serve Him as Lord? The rewards are amazing in God's Word, right? But God reminds us in His words to us here that we have a choice to make. And there are consequences for the choice that we do make. And so even not making a choice is a choice not to enter in all this blessing, okay? So verses 1 through 7 of Revelation 21, amazing blessing. Now verse 8, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Man, um, that's just a stark contrast. The consequence of your choice today, just a stark contrast, pressed right up against um, all the blessing of faith in Jesus Christ, pressed right up against it is the, is the consequence for no faith in Jesus Christ, for refusing to accept him. We have a choice to make, and there are consequences either way. You can decide that there's some other alternative, but God's Word doesn't say that. It's one or the other. And praise God how awesome His blessings are. Oh, how I long to dwell there with Him in that new city, in that new heaven. How I long for that. It's going to be a great day, an eternal day, when Jesus comes back and takes us home. But we have a choice to make. There's a consequence for the choice that we do make. But you know what? Scripture promises us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. We have a choice to make, but when we choose Jesus and we walk by faith and obedience to Him, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Though we're separated from others today, nothing can separate us from the love of God. We're all practicing social distancing now. And sadly, we have to be separate from one another on Sundays as well. As I preached to a camera in an empty church sanctuary, we gather through live stream electronically, and we are gathered together. It's not the same. It's not the same as meeting with brothers and sisters, hugging them warmly, shaking hands, singing together, hearing the voices of others as they sing in our ears, people singing to one another, reminding each other of the grace of the good news. 
not the same. We're all feeling the remorse of our separation. It's wonderful today to remember that no pandemic, that nothing in all of creation is able to separate us from God and His boundless love. In fact, in these moments, God doesn't separate Himself from us. He doesn't turn His back on us. What He does is He draws near to us. He draws near to the weak today. He draws near to the brokenhearted. He draws near in love and grace, empowering us to face what we could not face without Him. Your greatest friend, your deepest lover, your sweetest companion, has no distance between Him and you. What a beautiful thing that is. From the letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verses 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered a sheep to be slaughtered. And I, I want to stop there and talk about that last verse. It's shocking to our 21st century American sensibilities. What? It's just shocking. We, we expect the fullness of blessings. We expect the grocery store to be full. We expect the, the gas tank to be full. We expect the AC to work. We expect the cable to work. We expect the internet to work. We expect to have all this stuff. And we consider that evidence a blessing because we got all this stuff. And here it's saying in Holy Scripture, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered a sheep to be slaughtered. What? Listen, when, when this letter was written, um, Christians were dying for their faith. Now, Christians in America have recently um, experienced some persecution, but so minor compared to this. There are places where um, churches have been ordered by the government not to meet, and we're choosing not to meet, and I think that's the wise thing to do. But when the government steps in and says a church cannot meet because people can't gather together, but you can still go get an abortion because the people that gather there somehow aren't going to get the virus or spread the virus, um, when, that means we're being singled out as a class of people and, and confined and identified in our society in a way that removes our liberty. So we do experience some persecution, but nothing like uh, we're considered a sheep to be slaughtered. So hear God's word. Even in that, listen to the rest of the passage, beginning again in verse 37, Romans 8, 37. Now, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So, in all these things, even persecution and martyrdom, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. How are we more than conquerors in that? Because even if that's the end of your life on earth, by faith in Jesus Christ, you're going to heaven. That's victory. 
That's not just conquering. That's more than conquering. That's not just something that provides victory in this life. That's victory for eternity. That's how. For I am convinced, verse 38, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise God. Nothing can separate us. Nothing can separate us. You choose Jesus you remain faithful to Him. Nothing else can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It can't separate you in this life. It can't separate you in eternity. Choose Him today. We're not alone. I want you to know that we're not alone. It can seem very lonely. It can seem very solitary. We can think that nobody knows or nobody cares. I can't be with anybody. Um, I've talked to people recently that have, have lost a spouse to COVID-19 and they couldn't even be there in the hospital with Couldn't even be there. Less than two weeks from when they were perfectly healthy, living a normal life, they're gone. Couldn't even be there. Um, I don't know about you, but that might make me feel alone. That might have made that person um, being consumed by COVID-19 in the hospital feel alone. I want to tell you a little story. Um, the story goes that a man was out sailing on the ocean alone in a remote part of the ocean. And a big storm blew up, and it pushed his sailboat into an island, and the sailboat broke apart. He almost died. He managed to make it to shore with a few supplies off the boat before it went under. Now he's stuck on an isolated island in the middle of nowhere by himself. And so he prays intensely for someone to come and find him and remove him from this predicament he's now in. Nobody come. Days pass. All by himself. And so um, he decides to, to look for supplies, to look for food and water on the island. He, and then he decides to build a structure to shelter himself from the sun and the day and from the rain when it comes and he builds himself a structure. And so with meager supplies, more days go by, all by himself. He figures out how to make a fire so he can cook some food and provide some warmth in the evening and the night when the sun goes down. And he leaves one day, leaves the structure, and he's out looking for food and whatever supplies he could find on this deserted island. And he comes back to find that his structure has burned to the ground. The wind had picked up, the fire had caught the structure ablaze, and everything that he had from the boat and that he had collected was gone. And he just fell on the sand and cried. 
He felt completely abandoned. He had been asking God why, but but he really that day in just dejected. God, why? How come nobody comes? How come my I wrecked a sailboat and I I'm stuck on this island. What am I going to do? Everything that I had is gone. Everything. Utterly abandoned and alone. The next day, a boat comes towards the island. Comes directly to the island. Right where he's at. And when he sees them, he, he says, how did you know I was here? And they said, we saw the smoke signals that you sent up yesterday. So, he thought he was all alone. He didn't understand why all this had to happen. He, his plan wasn't working. He had exhausted or had taken all his resources and he felt utterly alone. And the thing that he thought was the final loss that he couldn't bear anymore, the burning of all his stuff, sent up the smoke signal that was seen that led to his rescue. The Bible reminds us that in these moments that we experience today, we don't have to shoulder these burdens alone. When we are weary and we are distraught, we have a place to go. Jesus welcomes us when we're weary to come to him and cast our cares on him. He will shoulder our burdens because he really does care for us. In these moments, it's tempting to doubt God's goodness, to doubt his wisdom, to doubt his power, to doubt his ability to control. And you see, what's deadly about that is when you doubt God's goodness, you quit running to him for help because you don't tend to go for help to someone you no longer trust. Fight the lies of the enemy that would whisper in your ear, where's God now? What is he doing now? Why isn't he here? Why doesn't he answer? The Bible says God is near. The Bible says God cares. He hears. He answers. Do not run away from him. Run to him. Sure, we're going to wonder why. And maybe those questions won't be fully answered here and now. But again, we know who God is. We know what he promised us. And we know that this moment points us to how much we need one who is greater than us. Who has greater power than us. Who has greater control than us. Who directs things we can't direct who is never weak, who is never tired, and who is never weary. Run to him with your burdens. From the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 28 and 29, the words of Jesus Christ to you today. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That imagery that Jesus uses there, my yoke is easy, that's that thing that fits across a team of oxen uh, to, to hold them together so that 
together they can pull a plow or pull a, a wagon. That word yoke is a specific word for a training yoke where one side has has the big ox who bears all the burden, all the weight, and the other side has a smaller um, indentation in it for a young ox to, to just learn how to walk next to the big ox while the big ox carries a burden. So what Jesus is saying is that he'll carry your burden for you. He'll carry it. And all you've got to do is learn to walk with him, for his yoke is easy compared to living without him. And he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You want the burdens of your life lightened up for you? Walk with Jesus by faith and obedience in him and let him carry the load for you and show you the way. Learn to walk next to him. We are not alone. Gratitude is a defense Gratitude means being thankful. One of the most powerful defenses against fear is gratitude. The more your heart is directed toward gratitude, the more you're counting your blessings, the less at those moments your mind is running to fear and rehearsing all the what ifs. How about intentionally looking around at all the things for which today you can give thanks? All the evidences of God's provision, all the evidences of his care, all the people that love him, all those things that you would take for granted. How about counting your blessings? How about letting praise, overwhelm, complaint, and gratitude, silence, grumbling? The final promise of the gospel is this, that in this present world, we will face trouble. I am so encouraged by that. When trouble comes, I'm not blindsided by it. I'm not like, this isn't supposed to be, because Jesus has, is telling us that in this world, we will face trouble. The Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 33. The words of Jesus Christ to us. I have told you all this, so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart. Because I have overcome the world. This moment of time is a physical trouble. A trouble that can affect, weaken, and for some of us, destroy the body. But there is a sure promise that there will be a day when all such things will end forever. And we will be in a place where there will be no more sickness and no more suffering. Hope in this promise is not some faint, dreamy wish for those who are embracing some kind of religious delusion. Jesus Christ lived. We know that. But because of the people that saw him, those who believed and those who didn't believe, testified to his birth and his life, to his death on a cross, to his resurrection. He was seen at one point by 500 people at the same time, the imminent Jewish historians of the time, neither one of which ever gave us any evidence that they had faith in Jesus, who came from two different schools of thought within Judaism, both stated as obvious facts that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and was seen at one point by 500 people at the same time who all testified to it later. 
Hope in God's promise is a confident expectation and a guaranteed result. It's coming. Paradise is coming. And it is yours by grace. There will be a time, it's hard to imagine, where we will look back on this as a brief moment of trouble as we are experiencing then a perfect world, perfect bodies, perfect hearts, and a perfect relationship with God. Everything will be as it's supposed to be and function as it was meant to function in peace and righteousness forever and ever. So this scary moment reminds us of the most precious truths of the gospel. Instead of focusing on the what-ifs, how about meditating on those promises of future glory? God bless you as you do that. Stay safe. Hunker down if you need to and remember Jesus and the glories of his gospel of grace. Good news for us today, indeed. Eternal news for us today. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege that is ours to worship Jesus, to know him, to know the promises of your holy word, to know the truth of your existence, the way that you came to earth, and you were born, you lived, you died, you rose again. You are preparing a place for us in heaven. We will go there to be with you forever by faith in Jesus Christ. I pray for every person hearing this today that they would know Christ as Savior and serve Him as Lord. God, if there's any way I can be a part of that, I offer myself to your service. Bless them, Lord. Bless us, God. Let us remember you and your promises and we will live even in this in victory. In Jesus' name. Amen.